Thank you, Evan. Great job. Let me preface what I'm going to say tonight. First of all, I'm trying to keep in mind that uh, we're having business meeting and all that, so I'm, I've tried to shorten up a little bit. I don't know how successful I've been, but I've tried. Secondly, no preacher ever said, oh, goody, I get to talk about abortion tonight. That just never happened. But it is one of our hot topics, and we're going to look at that tonight. There's an outline uh, in your bulletin this morning if you care to use it. An international outcry has arisen over the killing of Cecil the Lion just outside of Zimbabwe National Park by a Minnesota dentist who paid $50,000 for the privilege. Now, while I denounce the senseless killing of Cecil the Lion, I am frankly puzzled. This year also has seen a number, my last count is eight, allegations against Planned Parenthood for selling the body parts of aborted fetuses. It seems odd that we don't see the same kind of outrage from the media, especially, about the killing of human babies. Planned Parenthood is, by the way, the largest single abortion provider in our country. In January of 2015, our country will mark the 43rd anniversary of the U.S. Supreme Court decision, Roe versus Wade, that legalized abortion in America. Since that time, 57.7 million babies have been aborted in this country. Now, let me just give you a point of reference. The Holocaust, in which the Nazis exterminated four or five million Jews was horrendous. Take that figure into consideration. Sometimes it has to do with the discussion of life. Plant life possesses unconscious life. Animal life possesses conscious life. But only man possesses self-conscious or sentient life. I want us to look first of all at the principles that are used to support abortion. These are things that you will hear. First of all, abortion is not murder because it is a fetus, not a baby. There is a tendency among pro-abortion people, they really prefer the term pro-choice, to refer to the child as a fetus. But in reality, the word fetus is a a word of Latin origin, and it means unborn baby. Some of the terms that that are used by these kinds of individuals to take the, the sting out of this discussion is to describe the contents of the womb as products of conception, a lump, the mass, or fetal material. In fact, this was the tactic, not at all new, but one that was used by the Nazis in the extermination of the Jews. 
the fact is that upon fertilization, 23 chromosomes from each parent have joined to form a 46 chromosome complete individual with eye color, shoe size, and sex already determined. Second, you may hear a woman has rights over her own body. In fact, the simplest form of the women's right argument is that goes like this. <clears throat> a woman has a right to decide what she can and cannot do with her body. The fetus exists inside the woman's body. A woman has the right to decide whether the fetus remains in her body. Therefore, a pregnant woman has the right to abort the fetus. The fact is, although the mother carries the baby in her body, there is solid data that demonstrate the baby is not a part of the mother's body. It is at best an, an easy tenant having its own immune system and biologically distinct from the mother. Third, abortion is kinder than being born an unwanted child. That's not even a rational thought. Would you rather somebody be unkind to you or kill you? According to the Gutenmaster Institute, there are 1.2 million abortions performed in the United States in 2008. The most recent year for which data is available, that amounts to 3,322 abortions per day. Number four, it may be necessary in order to save the mother's life. I want you to listen to this statement. A doctor may interrupt a pregnancy when it threatens the life or the health of the mother or if the unborn child is likely to present hereditary or transmittable defects, they may be destroyed. Sounds thoroughly modern. It was a part of the German penal code and eugenics court in 1933 as the Nazis began their work. Dr. Everett Koop who was the Surgeon General of the United States under President Ronald Reagan, made this statement. He said, the fact of the matter is that abortion as a necessity to save the life of the mother is so rare as to be non-existent. Number five, unwanted children lead to abuse. Again, this is absolutely illogical that because there is a tiny chance that a baby will be abused, they choose abortion, their chance of being abused during an abortion is 100%. In fact, if that statement were true, then the risk of abuse after four decades of and 57 million abortions, child abuse should be on the decline or eliminated altogether by now. But in fact, every year more than three million reports of child abuse are made in the United States involving more than six million children, a report that can include multiple children. The United States has one of the worst records among industrialized nations losing on average between four and seven children every day 
to child abuse and neglect. A report of child abuse is made in this country every 10 seconds. Number six, I almost hate to read this one because it's so ludicrous. Abortion is cheaper than welfare. The statement was made, the cost of putting an unwanted child through the welfare system far outweighs the cost, federal funding, of those abortion procedures. That statement was made by Geraldine Ferraro, a 1984 Democratic vice presidential candidate. Number seven, abortion is necessary because of rape and incest. Some would say, how can you deny an abortion to a 12-year-old girl who is the victim of incest? Or how can you call yourself a loving Christian if you would force a victim of violent rape to give birth to a rapist child? Most of those of you that take a pro-life stance will hear those at one time or another. Those are emotionally charged questions that are designed to either prove that we are insensitive or unethical and inconsistent in our application. The reality is that the the statistics tell us that less than 1% of all abortions are for the cause of rape. Now here's an interesting perspective for you. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 16, the rapist was killed, the child was saved. Today, the rights of the rapist are protected and the child gets the death penalty. Something's wrong. It's safer, number eight, than illegal abortions. Obviously, that's from the viewpoint that there is no other option other than abortion. And it is not true. Most of the abortions, 97% of them, are strictly a matter of convenience. In fact, one-fourth of the people who are having abortions are repeats. They have had one or more prior abortions. Abortion, for many, is just viewed as another method of contraceptive. Now I want to turn tables and look a little for a few moments at the principles from God's word. You may be surprised to learn that there are no direct commands in scripture teaching on the subject of abortion. <clears throat> the reason is because it was not neither a practice nor an issue in the culture of the Hebrew people. Therefore it was not addressed. But here are some things I would like for us to consider. First of all, life begins at conception. Modern medical science has shed considerable light on the development of the human embryo from conception to birth. As far back as 1979, such research caused obstetrician gynecologist Dr. Bernard Nathanson to reverse his pro-abortion stand. A former atheist, Nathanson once owned America's largest abortion clinic. 
He crusaded to legalize abortion. And in 1969, he co-founded what is now the National Abortion Rights Action League. Yet in December, on December 11th, 1979, in the issue of the Chicago Sun-Times, he repudiated his stand on abortion and said, science has disproved my pro-abortion views. Secondly, God knows the unborn. Isaiah 49.1 says, Listen, O coastlands to me, and take heed, ye people from afar. The Lord has called me from my mother's womb. From the matrix of my mother, he hath made mention of my name. In the New Testament, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, we find, And when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. God knows the unborn. God also designed the unborn. Psalm 139. The psalmist said, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God has designed the unborn. God also values the unborn. It says in Exodus chapter 21 and in verses 22 and 23, some laws which have to do with harm given to a woman who is pregnant. If men fight and hurt a woman with a child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, that is the child lives, He shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. However, but if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life. Interesting perspective, I think, that we could see in some of our hospitals in our country today. In the section given over to the women who are delivering, you may have in one room doctors working feverishly to save the life of a preemie who doesn't weigh more than a pound or two. But down the hall may be another woman who is having her perfectly healthy baby destroyed with an abortion in the same hospital, in the same wing, something's wrong. Number five, life is sacred before God. Human life is sacred according to the Bible because we bear the image of God. In the book of Genesis we read, so God created man in his own image In the image of God created him male and female. He created them. And as such, as the creator, 
God alone has the right to end human life. Bearing the image of God means that humans are personal beings possessing intellect, emotion, and will, and that they are moral beings responsible to God for their conduct. It is wrong to take a human life because a human soul resides within. To do so then is murder. Genesis 9, 5 says, Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. For the hand of every beast I will require it from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. You have there the principle behind capital punishment. Number six, killing babies is explicitly forbidden. I'm going to read to you two scriptures that have to do with idolatry, but it has to do with idolatry in offering their children to the Lord, uh, to the false gods. Deuteronomy 12:31 says you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way for every abomination to the Lord which he hates they have done to their gods for they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 20 and 21 Moreover you took your sons and your daughters whom you bore to me and these you sacrificed them to be devoured Were your acts of harlotry a small matter that you have slain my children and offered them up by causing them to pass through the fire? I'll submit to you, I don't think it's any better that for a far less reason our children are are killed. I'll just read the next two without comment. Abortion is the taking of human life. Number eight, abortion is not just another means of birth control. Then I want to give you some final considerations. These are not on your outline if you want them. Just three final considerations. Number one, regret. Interviews with women who have had an abortion report that 94% of them regret that decision. 94% of them regret that decision. It's a lifelong regret. Secondly is risk, added risk. Women who become pregnant who have previously had abortions have a 160% increased risk of tubal pregnancy. And they have a 200% increased risk of miscarriage. Regret, risk, and the last thing that I would mention is victimization. I believe that there are two victims of any abortion, the innocent baby and the misdirected mother. It is my thought that often a confused and frightened woman ends up making a misguided decision because the people who are giving the advice are more concerned about the money to be made 
than they are about the welfare of the mother or the child. So let me close by saying I don't know that that applies to anybody here tonight. But for those who have suffered through an abortion, God understands and God is willing to help. Let me give you these steps. If you don't need them, maybe you'll need them to to speak to someone else someday. Number one, confession. Not to men, but to God. To confess before God your sin. Secondly, repentance. That means you have a complete change of heart concerning your action. Of course, these steps are good for any sin, as far as that goes. Confession, repentance, acceptance. To accept the cleansing that is offered to you by God. Any grave sin in our lives, our harshest critic and the person who is most unforgiving to us is often ourselves. We can extend that to others, but it's hard for us to accept the forgiveness that God has offered to us. So confess, repent, accept the cleansing, and then finally refuse to be held in bondage to past sin. If you've been forgiven, God has granted you forgiven, you forgiveness, and you've been cleansed, then the devil has no right to continue to beat you up, continue to hold you down, to keep you from being anything for God because of past mistakes. Let's pray. Father, we pray for our country. While it may or may not be true of anyone in this place, it's certainly true of many people in our country who are victims. Many of them are suffering now because of decisions of the past, regret. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be a median of helping them to see that no matter what their sin may be, that there is forgiveness available, that you offer forgiveness, that the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary covers all of our sins, no matter what that sin may be. And we just need to ask for forgiveness and to accept that cleansing. And Lord, if it be in our power to extend that forgiveness and cleansing to someone else, then Lord, I pray that you might help us in that way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you